0: Welcome to the Freedom City Church Podcast, a podcast designed to help your faith thrive. We hope you enjoy today's message. So who was here last week and heard the sermon? Who's, um Who's been on the Spotify and heard the sermon? So Sarah, Sarah's our one listener each week. <laughs> now, we've, I was saying before, we've actually got a listener in America and wow. it's not my family. So I have no idea... Who's listening to us in America? Yeah, Yeah, maybe. We'll take it. We'll take it. But we're going to talk about the local church. Last week we talked about the idea that I am the local church. I am the local church. And because I believe that the local church has a significant part to play in the ushering in of God's kingdom on earth. Oh, I totally forgot to, to get my prop out. Who remembers my prop from last week.
1: <laughs> Nesting right.
0: So I had a prop, and I had to babushka doll. But we've got the, the, the redeemed version because it is Mary, Joseph, and baby, baby Jesus. Jesus. Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. So the babushka doll is our prop. It's good to see that we're prepared at this church, that um, if you want it raw, welcome to, to church. Uh, the Babushka Dolls, who's ever seen one of these before? Yeah. So the Babushka Dolls is actually my main point, my main prop for the whole thing, which I almost left in my backpack the whole time. But like I said last week, I am the local church. And if you go to the next side, please, quill. Well, today I'm going to be talking about you are the local church Ooh. oh if you jump to the next slide as well please girl <laughs> i am you are we are say that i am you are we are i
1: am you are we are it's
0: good huh? i'm glad that you kept in time with each other so let's <laughs> think about i am last week i talked about i am the local church and there's another one in there apparently um and that one fits within the you are the local church and then that fits in the we are the local church the one and the same. They can't exist without each other. So there's three dimensions. The I am, you are, we are. And I believe that this is actually a, uh, I actually think these are levels of revelations that we can get in our life about the church. I was saying last week, it's so easy to say, you're the church because you're doing a really bad job. I said, oh, oh, look at how that church, you are the church. And I was like, I'm not like that. I am not like that church, I'm different. You are the church. And you go and you look at the American church. Sorry, I, mean, I always talk about the American church and say, it's just terminology. And you look at the different styles of church that we have going on in the world and we'll start to say, look at the church, they're not they're not a great church. And all of a sudden we start separating ourselves from it. And then you jump down into this whole thing of actually, hold up. I'm the church. So when you start pointing and saying, You're the church. I said last week, you kind of pointed three fingers back at yourself saying, well, I'm part of that same church. Mm -hmm. I am, you are, we are the local church. And just to clarify, last week I talked about local. So it's weird that I'm saying local, but at the same time, it's not weird. It actually makes a lot of sense because the idea of local is characterized by or related to a position in space. So having a definite spatial form or location. So God's command to us is like, love your neighbour. Who's heard that, that command? Love your neighbour as yourself. That word neighbour in the Old Testament was ria, R-E-A, Hebrew, and it meant acquaintance, someone that you knew. Whereas when we go and Jesus starts preaching it, it changed to plesios, and it means a place. It has a spatial meaning. It says Nearby. So love your neighbor as yourself doesn't mean, I'm gonna love the people that I like, and the people who are in my life that I actually have invited into my life. That's not my neighbor. My neighbor is actually anyone who is currently in the vicinity of myself. How hard is that? How hard is that to love someone that you're like, well actually, you're just not a good person. I just don't like you. I don't like the clothes you wear. I like your haircut but I'm supposed to love you as my neighbor, love you as myself. Mm -hmm. This scriptural understanding goes from uh, this person who I know to a spatial. Mm -hmm. And the thing about I am the local church is, it says, um, last week we talked about how I live my life matters because I am the local church and I carry the presence of God wherever I go. So if you have the Spirit of God living within your being, you are the temple of God. A mini temple we talked about. Um, the way the Bible describes it is a pocket of heaven. So you're that pocket of heaven, you carry the presence of God. And so if I'm going, it's like, like on a map of GPS, you've got a circle around you. It's like I'm taking the presence of God wherever I go. Obviously God is everywhere, but he's chosen to live within us and work through us. So I am the local church, now, what do you consider this understanding when I say that you are the local church? I'm looking at you, Lucette. Look looking at you, Jeanette. Look looking at you, Amy. I'm looking at you are the local church. You are the local church. And I'm going to tell you, our local church matters because you are my community of faith gathered together to encourage one another and to reach people with God's love you are my community of faith gathered together to encourage one of each other and to reach people with God's love the first thing I want us to recognize is I am exists within the you are so I am has to exist within the you are I am or well, can exist outside of it it's just not a very good idea
1: mm-hmm.
0: I am exists within the you are the local church without my own personal walk, I cannot claim to be the local church. Like I was talking about last week, I am, like the presence of God lives within me. Mm-hmm. But once I carry this mantle, this responsibility that I carry the presence of God in my life, I cannot exist alone. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Because last week I was saying, I am, I am. And it, was very, it seemed very narcissistic, you know, like I am the local church. And you see people kind of go like, all right. I am the labour church, and, and we we get this this false humility thing going on that says very much like no, it's it's about us, it's about we, and there's yes, it is, but also think about it. I am exists within you are, which exists within mm-hmm. we are. And If it's just confu- confusing for you, it'll make sense as we go on. So I need you, and you need me. <coughs> Have, who's ever come across like a lone wolfer? Someone's like I don't need a church, I can just do it by myself that can only last for so long I've seen it so many times it can only last for so long and I've come across many people and had many relationships where people say, "I, right, nah I need to actually, I feel alone I feel like I need to get back in community with other people I need you and you need me Alright, let's talk about symbiosis. (laughs) Symbiosis. Who knows what symbiosis is? Who's ever seen the movie Venom? Uh, The movie Venom, Eddie and whatever Venom's name is, they exist together, but that's not my point. I was trying to be (laughs) relevant there. Symbiosis, symbiotic means characterised by being a close, cooperative or interdependent relationship. Symbiotic relationships are very fascinating. I find it extremely fascinating. God has made His creation to have systems and entities within it that are dependent upon one another in different ways. But there are some things in creation that are dependent in ways that are direct and immediate upon something else. For instance, did you know? I was giving this is crazy. Sloths can starve to death even with a full stomach. Did you know that? No. Why? Because in cold temperatures, the gut bacteria that helps it digest food will stop working. So the bacteria needs the sloth, and the sloth needs the bacteria. And did you know that bees are called? Are there bees called orchid bees that pollinate orchids? However, the bees need the oils of the orchids to attract mates in order to reproduce. So, the bees need the orchids, and the orchids need the bees. There are things in this world that need each other to exist. And that's the church and the individual. Let's look at the church and the individual. This relationship between the church and the individual is very important. Because right now, in Christendom, and if you don't know what Christendom is, especially it's the whole of Christianity, outside of outside of denomination, outside of I go to church, I don't go to church. Christendom is basically anything Christian with this the spirituality of Christ. Basically, the individual reigns supreme and is the, the dominating mindset because everything is geared to the individual. Have you ever considered what it's like to walk into a darkened auditorium? And have you ever asked the question, why do we have to have the lights off to worship God? And I was talking to someone, and they were saying, well, it's my it's my moment with God. And so I was, oh, so it's your moment with God. Okay, so it's about my moment with God. So I come here, it's dark, so I can have my moment with God. Well, so who's <laughs> ever walked into a cathedral before? Mm. And who's ever walked in and looked up? And you look up at the top of the cathedral and you think, wow, God is amazing. Mm -hmm. Look how grand and glorious God is. Even though it's a building, it's pointing to God. You know, individualism within the church is a very dangerous thing. And I was talking about I Am last week, which is a funny thing. But this is a tension that you're going to have to wrestle yourself Everything from books to ministry goals to church practice revolves around individual experience. I think the easiest way to see it is to think about how we read the Bible. When people read the Bible, they see the word "you." They read it as a singular "you." They refer to them as an individual. However, almost all of the "you" in the Bible is plural. A lot of the "you." Is plural in the Bible. So if we think about that for ourselves, if we think constantly individually, how do you think that might impact the way that we treat each other or the church that we are part of? So biblically, the, the emphasis actually falls upon the corporate body and not just the individual. Jesus is building a body of believers and the letters in the New Testament are almost all written to the local churches. Yet the individual is not spanned nor ignored. So Jesus, he wept over Jerusalem, but he also wept over who? Lazarus. There's this individual, I'm going to pray, cry over Jerusalem, but I'm also going to weep over my friend Lazarus. Paul did write a few letters to individuals. Jesus told us to enter the prayer closet alone, to pray individually. Paul lists uh, individuals who serve along him along the way. So there is the individual and there is the corporate. But when we focus purely on the corporate of the individual, we're going to lose the richness of what the corporate body has. So who thinks it's safe to say that the church has a symbiotic relationship with the individual? I think it is. I think it is. If you think that you can exist apart from the church, I challenge you. I challenge you, come talk to me in six months and let's see how you're doing. Mm. If you think that you can exist apart from any church, I will challenge that thinking. We can't exalt the church and ignore the individual, nor can we cater to individuals and balk at the accountability of membership in a body. They are both needed. I wanna tell you something, if you you wanna be proven right, if you want all your thinking and your your theology to be proven right, make your circle smaller. Make your circle smaller, because the people who will actually be around you are the people who actually get along with you. Make your circle smaller. If you wanna be challenged and have people say things you don't want them to say, and have people come up to you and say, Andrew, do you think that song was appropriate? andrew i don't like the rip in your jeans andrew i think maybe we can consider doing church differently hey andrew have you ever considered that we need to think about the sociological impact this church needs to have as well if you want to be challenged and invited into a new way of thinking be part of a church be part of a church do you know what being a pastor of this church is not easy you are not easy people You are difficult. Why? Because you're dreamers. You're believers. You have thoughts and ideas. You have convictions. And it's not my goal to say yay, nay. My goal, my focus is to say, all right, have you you prayed about this? Is God in this? Mm -hmm. Because if God is in you, who am I to say that something is wrong? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I can challenge it. I can give wisdom as you can to myself. But if you want to be proven right all the time, Just don't hang out with any other Christians and carry your biases, carry your convictions. And I tell you, you'll build a great church for yourself because it'll be just you. Ouch. So I need you and you need me. I need the local church and the local church needs me. You are the local church and I am the local church. You are my community of faith gathered together to encourage one another and to reach people with God's love. Sometimes it would be nicer just to go off and be a monk. I've got three and a five-year-old. It would be so nice to go off and be a monk. You know, I leave them. Stop. They've got twins. It would be so nice to go off and to be a monk. How nice would it be just, all right, this me and God all the time, 24-7. I've been meditating in this, this cave for three months now, and I have this amazing revelation that'd be nice, it'd be nice to breathe, to get coffee by myself, it'd be nice just to be like me and God, me and God, me and God. But I think that's a pride thing. I actually think that that's unrealistic one, but it's not something that's actually going to, one, impact the world, or two, change you. You're not going to be transformed if the only person who's looking at your life is yourself. I could just go on about this. I could really just go on and on and on and on about this, The ch- but basically the church, this church would literally not exist without you, and I want you to know why. Because I want us to love the local church, I want us to speak well of the local church, I want us to represent Jesus well through the local church, I want us to change lives as the local church, and do you know what a local church is? This church. You're you're the local church because you're a temple of God. You carry the presence of God wherever you go. Do you know what else is another local church? The church down the road that's doing doing better than us. The church over there that's doing better than us. It has more more buildings and stuff and more exciting things going on. They're the local church as well. Do you know what I said to God this year? I said, God, you know, who's had a New Year's resolution this year? Or maybe a goal... Or who's had a New Year's resolution that's already fell flat in its face? You know, (laughs) I said to God this year, God, I want to love the church. I don't want to compete with the church. I don't want to compete with other churches. I don't want to be anxious or jealous about another church. I want to love the local church and all its flaws because I'm not looking at the people. I'm looking at Jesus who was leading a bunch of broken people to wholeness. If you think that a church should be perfect the moment you step into it, you're in for a very scary surprise.
1: Because
0: we've all been part of it. We've been part of the problem as well. This church was not healthy when we first took over. Not because the people weren't healthy. I wasn't a healthy leader. This church has had to go on a journey. And do you know what's going to happen? We're going to go along a journey to a place of relative faith or relative growth. And then what's going to happen is a whole bunch of people are going to say, I love what you're doing. They're going to grow it, be part of it, and the church is going to get unhealthy again. Mm-hmm. Or the church is going to get more complex. Complexity is not fun. But complexity is important. Yeah. Because in the complexity, God can sanctify as much as he can in the simplicity. Mm-hmm. So the local church is a gathering of people. Who's it heard of the word called Ecclesia before? It's called the called out people, the gathering. And in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So the church is not called out to be the same as the world. The church is called out to be the salt and the light we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be different because we have a difference maker in our life. We have the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We are supposed to be kinder. faster, stronger. That we're supposed yeah. to be like, we're supposed to be different. Yeah. And we're supposed to shine and be the light. Salt is different from the food that it flavors. Yes. God has called the church to be separate from sin, to embrace fellowship with other believers and to be a light. In the world. But when we gather together, it's not just a holy huddle. So mm. as just a holy huddle. We're like, this is our team. Yeah. This is our plan. Someone like, comes along and we're like, no, this is our team. This is our plan. This is what we're going to do. We're going to stay here and no one can hurt us. Yeah. We all just huddle together. We're going to stay here and no one can blemish us. No one can change us and when we get to heaven god's gonna look at and say you did well you stayed holy you know the holy huddle mentality is a fear-based mentality that my church or the church i'm a part of my life should i can't let anyone else in because even if you think differently to me I'm not open to being challenged. I had a a conversation the other night with Monty and Dave. If you haven't met Monty and Dave, they're deep thinkers. We had a meeting that finished at 9pm and they left at
1: 11.30.
0: And by the end of it, we were just talking gibberish, but we all thought it was the best thing ever. But the deep thinking, the ability to challenge and say, actually, I don't understand this part of theology. I don't understand why I have this reaction. Maybe some of you reacted to the Aboriginal Sunday stuff that we did at the beginning. Maybe you don't know why. Maybe I reacted to it. But if we're too afraid to allow the rest of the body of Christ to question us or help us grow or to look at our blind spots and say, hey, Andrew, actually the way that you do that, actually that impacts me in a certain way. Andrew, the way that you did that, that impacts me in a certain way. You know, we had Nisha actually, a couple of years ago, she came up to Megs and I and said, hey, if, over the past couple of years, you know, like I, I feel like you've kind of pulled away from, from our friendship and that, really, that was really important. And I, was, I didn't even realize it because this was just after my, my health issues, but I kind of pulled away from a few relationships. And it wasn't that I did it purposefully, it's just I didn't realize that I was doing it that way. Do you know, I think Jesus, and tell me if I think I'm wrong, I think Jesus, when he ascended to heaven and he left the disciples with the great commission, he said, I'm fully confident that you guys will call each other's blind spots out. Mm-hmm. I'm fully confident that when I leave, you will say, hey, Let's build each other up. I'm going to encourage you. I think Jesus didn't leave saying, oh, there's going to be some fires in there. Glad I'm not part of it. I think Jesus left saying, I am confident that the spirit in you, what Pentecost will do. You will actually be led to a place where you seek reconciliation and wholeness. And if you look at Aboriginal Sunday, part of that journey is just reconciliation and learning and trying to understand. Maybe there are people in your church, or in your life, who represent the church, that actually have something to add to your life. Mm-hmm. And maybe you just don't want it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what's annoying? People, people are annoying, but like it's <laughs> annoying when someone says something to you, and you, your first reaction is, no, that's not true. And in your gut, you're like, oh, far out. They hit the nail on the head yeah. there. Who's ever had that? Mm. When someone's like, oh, Andrew, like, that's a bit gossipy, Andrew. And I'm like, I hate gossip. I tell people I hate gossip. But did you hear? <laughs> <laughs> did you hear what she said? Yeah, I did you hear what he did? You know, it's like, when someone's like, says something, they you be like, I know that's right. But by goodness, I'm gonna argue that. Oh, no, no, you didn't get me. Oh, I know it's right. And over time it slowly overwhelms you and you realize, man, I was wrong. Mm. Being a pastor is funny because the amount of times when someone leaves the church because of your stubbornness and then you realize maybe they had something, Mm. maybe there was something that they said that was right because now I'm starting to question why I believe what I believe. How I live my life matters because I am the local church and I carry the presence of God wherever I go. But also, I long to see you, Romans 1 to 11, 11 to 12, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Do you realize part of your reason to come here is not for you to just learn, but it's to be encouraged by other people's faith? Part of your reason to come to church is not to come and get what is exclusively yours from God, but to come and say, how can I give to the person in the throne in front of me? How can I give? How can I give? The Hebrew word for love is ahava. Say ahava. Ahava means to give. And the word give in Hebrew is natan. And do you know what that means? It means full circle. So anything that is given is received. Yes. So whatever I give to you, I'm expecting it that you're going to give it back to me. When God says, people will see the way that you, you are disciples by the way that you love each other because they're expecting this reciprocal love that says, I love you and I know that you're going to love me. That's what interdependency is. Interdependency is the dependence upon someone else what you need. Not dependency in the sense of I'm dependent because I can't do it myself. It's no, I'm choosing. I'm fully dependent by myself, but I'm choosing to let you be the person that gives me the love that I need or letting you be the person that gives me the comfort and support that I need. Codependency is when someone is empty and they're asking for someone else to fill them. Interdependency is when someone's full and they're asking for someone else to refill them when they're dry.
1: Mm
0: I want to be part of an interdependent church, where people know that if they give me love, I'm gonna give them love straight back. Because sometimes that's actually the hardest thing to do, is that we think, ah, oh, I love you, but I just can't show it to you because I've been hurt in the past. And this is the sacrifice. You said the sacrifice of praise when Lucy got up. The sacrifice is that I'm going to love you and you're probably not going to love me back at different points because I've said something you don't like. Maybe it's because I have tattoos. Maybe it's because I, I, I don't preach from the, the Bible that you like. I had someone refuse to come to this church because I didn't preach from the NKJV. I said, I pray that you, you find someone where they do. <laughs> Because not many people do from the NKGB anymore. Some people do, but they don't. We gather together to encourage one another to what? Mm-hmm. To disperse again. Mm-hmm. When you come here, it's to be mutually encouraged for you to go into your week. We gather together to build one another up, to go into our workplaces, our homes, our communities again, because the Sunday service is not all it is. If your if your faith is built around the Sunday service, like I said last week, how many hours are there in a the week? 168. How many hours do you spend at church? Probably about two, if that. Depends how long I'm preaching that day. Two hours. So that means you have 166 hours that you are not at church. What are you going to do in those 166 hours? How are you going to live? Our local church matters because you are my community of faith gathered together to encourage one another to reach people with the love of God. Mm. You know, that verse in the Bible, 1 Peter 5.8, where it talks about be careful about um, the devil because he roars, runs around roaring like a lion. Mm. That terminology is linked with the, the agricultural society that they lived in in the Bible where a lot of um, people were shepherds and what would happen is a lion or a bear would come along I don't know if you've heard the story of David David killed a lion and a bear with a, a sling, he came along the lion or bear would come along and they would roar at the flock of sheep what were they trying to do? scare them so one would scatter when the enemy comes and roars he's not trying to just roar at crowd because when we're we're together we're better Mm. but when you're alone when you scatter Mm. it says that the 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 roaring lion seeking to pick some off that's one of the versions to pick one off Mm. you can't pick one off unless it is away from the rest of the group Mm. I need you and you need me come on when with you I am stronger, safer, built up and encouraged and loved. And like I was saying, the love that we have for one another, Achava and Matan, I know that when you are with me and I'm with you, you're gonna love me. Even if that looks like disagreement, even if that means like challenging, even if it means disapproving looks, even if it means that you call out some of my grammar from from the seats. I've had someone once, I was saying, I went through a sermon talking about um, buffeted. I said buffeted the whole time, so that the boat was buffeted, you know, and then someone's like, oh, it was buffeted. Anyway, I need your love, and you need my love. I need to be encouraged by you, and you need to be encouraged by me. You know, in James 1.27, it says that religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And couple that with the Great Commission. Disciples, we are to meet disciples of all nations, baptising them, teaching them, caring for the poor, the widows, the orphans, and keeping oneself unstained. We can't do that alone. We need each other. The local church doesn't exist without each other. Yeah. Come on, let's close our eyes. We're going to pray. I just want to do an invitation. A bit of a challenge. Some of us find it easier to criticise church and say, you are the local church you are, you are we find it easy to criticise church as opposed to being open to the holy challenge that church and the people in it might bring to us doesn't matter about the size of your church doesn't matter about the the prominence of your church it matters about the God who's head of it God is saying something to you right now. He's saying, actually, no, you are the church. You exist amongst this group of people. I want to encourage you to respond to that. And I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to invite you to respond to that. Father God, we just humble ourselves right now. And we thank you for the local church. We thank you that you have put us in a group of people brought together by one name, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you have put us and you love us enough to not allow us to stay the same. So you bring other people in. So, God, in our hearts and our minds, we look at the people around us and we say, You are my community a faith gathered together to encourage one another to reach people with God's love. We don't want to be lone wolf, lone sheep. We don't want to be driven by pride, but we want to be humbled and healed by the love you have for us, by the harbour that other people have for us. So God, right now, pray that you'll speak to us through our weeks. You'll change us as we think and dwell upon this truth. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom City podcast. If there is any way that we can help you survive and thrive in your everyday life, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd want to know more about who we are, just head to www.freedomcityfremantle.com. Until next time, take care.